The Nerdalogs is a Chicago-based sketch group that writes comedy based on shared true, personal stories about our existence as lifelong nerds. We started your stories to give everyone a chance to do what we do, share their own stories, and foster a more heartfelt, welcoming nerd community. Your Stories is about embracing the weird and obscure in your life and asserting your geekdom with a group that gets your references. And, most importantly, Your Stories is a place to bring people up, not to put anyone down. Try to keep your stories around five minutes, laugh at jokes, cry if appropriate, and applaud everyone who has the guts to sit here, tell a story, and come out as a nerd. Hey nerds, my name is Eric Arnell. And welcome to the second part of November's Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories Podcast. This time, we're continuing the theme of sport with great stories about sex metaphors, sports movies, following the rules, feeling victorious, and also hockey. The stories on this episode are brought to us by librarian Chris Crotwell, podcaster Sawyer Heppies, Nerdalogs member Steve Persh, DePaul radio DJ Shelby Mongan, and also me. I am so sorry, everybody. Uh, if you're listening to this, the day it comes out, which is Thursday, the 15th of November, then you're in luck, because tomorrow, which is Friday, the 16th of November, is the second of our monthly comedy showcases at the I.O. Theater in Chicago, 3541 North Clark, uh, just a few doors down from Wrigley Field. Every month, the Nerdalogs puts together a brand new, never-before-seen collection of sketches, songs, and monologues, and this month is no exception. The show's at midnight, and it costs $5 to get in. Just $5. That's like the price of three quarters of a beer at any of those bars around there. Uh, it's a really, really fun time, and we hope you guys can make it out. Now, if you want to tell a nerdalog of your own, like you're going to hear in a few minutes, come to the Upstairs Gallery, 5219 North Clark, this Sunday, the 18th, for the next Your Stories recording. Because this podcast is now a year old, the theme of that show is annual. So come share a story about whatever that means to you and get on this podcast. As always, Your Stories is free to attend and to listen to. Now speaking of this being our one year anniversary, friends, I need your help. We're going to do something a little special in December. Uh, Sometime around the holidays, we're going to release a bonus episode, The Best of Your Stories Year One. To put that episode together, I'd really like to get input from our loyal listeners, that's you guys on what stories and songs you like the best from the first 25 episodes, including this one, uh, stopping at this one. So the first episode through this one. Cool. Now this is not a contest. I can't stress that enough. This isn't a judgment of how good your stories are. Uh, what I am interested in is, is what stories have stuck with you. You know, I'm not going to decide this on number of votes or anything that technical. It's going to kind of go by feeling. So what I want to know is, is what are your favorite stories? And if you want to tell me why they're your favorite stories, I would also love to know that. I will share it on the podcast. Um, there's a few ways you can get us this information. You can comment on the relevant post on our website at yourstories.podbean.com. You can comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash T-H-E-N-E-R-D-O-L-O-G-U-E-S or you can email us at nerdalogs at gmail.com. I'm really excited to hear what's stuck with you guys over the past year. Uh, Thank you so much for hanging with us this long, and I'm sure the best is yet to come. Now enjoy the show. So the theme this month is sport, and uh, we are in Chicago, and this song is synonymous with sports in Chicago, especially if you're a Southsider and you are, unfortunately, a White Sox fan. 
Oh yeah, did you guys see Dwight and Claire sing on uh, Friday? That was fucking awesome, right? Yeah. So Dwight and Claire are gonna sing again for us. sounds with his mouth. <laughs> so guys, I have a real serious question for you. Let's say you like, you're training for something. 
How, how do you get ready for something, you guys? What's the best way to get ready for something? No, punching a meat. Yep. <laughs> Approaching to give it your best And you got to reach your pride That's when you need to put yourself to the test Show us the passage of time We're gonna need a montage Ooh, it takes a montage Show a lot of things happening at once Remind everyone of what's going on Show it a little improvement Show it all would take too long That's called a montage Even Rocky had a montage If anything you want to go From just a beginner to a pro You need a montage Ooh, we want a montage Take a drink In a montage If you fade out It seems like more time has passed In a montage <laughs> Thank you guys very much Alright Welcome to the storytelling portion I'm going to kick things off With a very Brief, uh, brief thing. I need Kevin as a visual aid, if you please. So, is this a sketch? <laughs> this is this is not a mini sketch. I am just a visual aid. But you can drink anyways. You can drink anyways. So, here's two two things that are true. Thing one: sports metaphors are really popular when talking about sex. Thing two. Probably lots of us in this room, but definitely me. We're really super bad with the opposite sex in high school. So, my buddy Mark Lukowski and I, I have to give him credit, we came up with, you, I'm sure you all know the base system. Oh man, I got to third base with that girl. We had the nice guy base system, which is what people like us can look forward to. So, lovely Kevin Reader here is going to help me demonstrate the nice guy base system. So... First base for nice guys is a smile. Like if you say something super funny and the girl can't help but laugh. Like for instance, hey, have you guys heard about the star of Pineapple Express? He's kind of started to lose his hair. I heard he might need Seth Rogaine. <laughs> Take a drink and yeah, that. So that's nice guy first base. Now nice guy second base, which. I got to like so many times. Is a hug. <laughs> come here, come here. This is this is nice guy second base. See, see how great this is. I'm gonna go home and think about this so hard. <laughs> Wait, now, was it typically a one-armed hug or a two-armed hug? Two. Okay. All right. Yeah. Get back here, baby. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Aww. 
Now, Nice Guy Third Base is interesting because you can you can pay to have the simulated at Hooters. Nice Guy Third Base is an arm rod. So, so, so let's say you know. Let's say we're just, well, I mean, I, you don't have to be my waitress. You can just be my friend, you know? <laughs> like, I don't want to make this weird. You know, let's just, let's just say we're close. Like, we're, you know, we're having a nice conversation. And, and you, for whatever reason, feel like showing some affection to me. <laughs> Third base. That is so awesome. <laughs> she touched my arm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that hand grab at the end was. <laughs> well... <laughs> Hold your horses. Uh, so a home run, the coveted nice guy home run. And this was like Mecca in high school, you guys. The nice guy home run is a kiss on the cheek. I don't know if any of you guys have experienced that. It is fucking sweet. Now, you'll see what I mean in a second. Uh, home run. I am out, you guys. That's so next time you're feeling maybe not like your, your love life is suboptimal just remember that someone two people came up with that <laughs> with no further ado our first real speaker of the night Christopher Crotwell <laughs> thank you Kevin you were you were a lovely girl <laughs> alright hi everybody when I got this prompt for sports, I spent a couple weeks thinking about how much of my life I'd spent playing sports, and I realized two things. I loved playing sports. I really, really loved it, and all the teams I played for sucked. <laughs> we were awful, all of us. Never won, never had a winning season. But I really loved it. I was like, why? What was that? What was, what was that thing that kept me going? And I think what it was, was the crispness of those experiences. The intensity how well-defined they were, their sharpness around the edges, you know? Because when you're out there on a field, on a court, or playing soccer, I can remember. I can remember the way things sound, the way things felt. I can remember the way that different soccer fields at different schools smelled, and the way that sound reverberated in different ways in different gymnasiums. And that's such a pleasant experience. The immediacy of the emotion of those moments... The way that triumph happens really, really readily, and then it's fleeting, and then it's gone. But there's no barrier to it, because you're engaged in this intense and engrossing activity. And I realized, like, why don't I have those moments anymore? Why don't I have that clarity? Where did that go? Where did the moments that make me want to crow go? Because, <laughs> like, rarely do I get done with my commute and like beat my chest and just feel a flood of the visceral, heavy, immediate emotion that's, that's gone the next moment. And, and I realized it's because, um, it's because I've lost that, that focus that sports gave me. Even when I was little, I was a daydreamer. I was rarely where I was, I'm always somewhere else. I float off. I'm in the future or the past. Right here, that's what sports did for me. It gave me a right here. When you hear really great coaches talk about sports a lot of the time, say Nick Saban. He talks about the process, okay? He talks about the process, and the process is about the performance, not the result, right? It's about going out and doing what you're supposed to be doing in that moment. Process, not result. Win-lose, it's being inside that moment. 
A lot of these coaches, they sound like Zen monks when they talk about this. Remember Phil Jackson? Brilliant. He did it in a more overtly philosophical and kooky way, um, admittedly. But it is. like it's, that's, that's what it brought to me. And I realized that it doesn't have to be sports. I can have that again if I can remember what it's like to feel the air on my skin and to hear all the sounds around me. And to feel what my legs feel like under me. And to, to really smell what's happening on the train. Even though, you, you know, it's not a great idea a lot of the time. <laughs> but you put yourself back there. You know? That feeling when you reach out to steal that pass for a fast break. The texture of a basketball on your skin. The sound it makes as you dribble down court. And know that none of those people behind you have a chance in hell of catching up with you before you score those two points. <laughs> and the agony of missing the layup for those two points. <laughs> and how quick and satisfying all of that is. I, I miss that. And what I've realized is that, that anxiety has a physicality. And neuroses have a texture. And they creep in around the edges of everything. And they get in the way. They get between you in that moment. They don't let it happen. They don't let you feel what you should be feeling. They put you way out ahead in some strange place or way behind in some shitty thing that had happened before. And it keeps you from having those really, really crisp, clean, nicely defined, beautiful moments. But I want those back. So I'm going to make a concerted effort to find a reason to crow every day. <laughs> to feel one emotion really intensely with no filter every day. Like a free throw made, or a penalty kick. Excellently, excellently done. And at the end of the year, just like all the other losing seasons I had where I had a really great time, no matter what happens, and I feel like I've been in a losing season for a minute. In middle school, that was awesome, though. My sixth grade team went defeated, defeated, and that was the starting point. <laughs> fun I've ever had doing anything. It was incredible. And why, when things were going so poorly there, did I love it? And when they're going so poorly now, do I not? It's just, it's just frame of reference. It's all about context and perspective. And so at the end of this year, no matter what happens, no matter what my stats are like, whether I feel like I've had a winning or a losing season, I'm going to give myself a trophy for participation. <laughs> and I'm going to throw a pizza party for my team. <laughs> That's a great kickoff story, Chris Cratwell. <laughs> Drink! <Woo! laughs> I know, I just put that one in there. Uh, Alright, next we have the man who invented the Your Stories drinking game, which I hope becomes a standard. Sawyer Heppies. Uh, Eric, I need your help with someone. I can't remember his name. Who's the Flash's arch nemesis? No? <laughs> I don't know. No. Yeah, Professor Zoom. Uh, <laughs> Touche. Alright, uh, show of hands real quick. Who in here considers themselves like a full-fledged nerd, geek, whatever? Okay, there we go. Alright, who also considers themselves a pretty big sports fan, too? Okay, so it's about even. Alright, it still works. Um, I, I remember growing up uh, that I was kind of in denial about sports. Like, I thought I liked sports, because that's what everyone else did. But as I got older, I realized I didn't. Like, I hit that age where it's like, I can't stand it. I'm bad at virtually every sport. 
Uh, except for I did, was the only one to score a three-pointer in seventh grade, so, you know, <laughs> big deal. Um, but no, I honestly, like, as a kid, you know, when everyone's playing the what do you want to be when you grow up, even though I would, like, change jobs every week. Uh, but, you know, I remember saying a, a couple of times uh, in front of my dad, I was like, I'm going to be a professional basketball player. He's like, no, you're not. Uh, <laughs> and he wasn't one of those ones that, like, beat down on your dreams. He was just like, look, man, Michael Jordan practiced every single day, and you don't even practice at practice. <laughs> so, like, fair enough. Like, I was the kid in baseball that was, that I was always like, which one's left field, which one's right field? Like, I didn't know. And they've done it in stage directions, I wouldn't know. But, um, but I was the kid out there that was just pretty much, like, digging in the sand and drawing pictures and stuff. I guess check it out, Batman. So, um, yeah, it was pretty much like the Sandlot was every every season for me. Um, but though I didn't always take an interest in sports, I will say that sports not only taught me things, but I also do love sports movies over the years. Um, first, we'll just I just want to talk about like the things that sports have just taught me in general. I mean, it's competition. It teaches you to kind of better yourself in a certain way, at least if not you know mentally or emotionally, physically. There's there's a sense of actual strength that's improved. Um, I all through high school, I had a public speaking teacher that would quote. Uh, quote the greatest football coach of all time, Vince Lombardi, uh, and uh, he taught me that you know winning's not a sometimes thing. You shut your mouth. <laughs> 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 uh, I knew it was gonna be someone. Um, but he taught me you know winning's not a sometimes thing. It's an all the time thing, and you don't do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time, and. You know, I would see that in a lot of these sports movies. And, you know, there's a lot of common element, too, between geeks and sports fans, even if they don't consider themselves geeks. Um, for instance, I was on the train the other day, and I saw these people coming back from a Nebraska game. It was, like, a massive family. They all had, like, the paint and stuff on their face. And there's always a part of me that's like, man, how lame is that? Like, 20 years after you've graduated from college, you're still going back to watch your team. But then I thought to myself, I'm like, I don't know if I want to stop going to Comic Cons when I'm <laughs> So am I that much better than him? But, you know, I loved all these. I mean, Rudy is one of my favorite movies of all time. You got that Hal Jordan willpower in there. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Um, no, I, I love Rudy. That's, there's actually several movie, sports movies I cried during. Rudy, uh, Brian's Song. Oh, yeah. Field of Dreams. Uh, there's, not, there's not a guy out there that anyone says, hey, Dad. You want to have a catch? That you don't tear up a little bit. Yeah, it's happening right now before us. Um, and even too, like, once again, I, I could get bored and I'd start playing with my action figures and my dad would put on a basketball game, you know, when I was supposed to be studying up for my professional career. Um, I, my dad would put on Hoosiers, though, whenever I was at home sick and he happened to be working at home that day. And for whatever reason, I loved Hoosiers. And I don't know why I would love the movies, but not the not the actual sport itself so i guess i gotta say that now that i've like moved to chicago i knew one thing i was gonna have to do i was gonna bite the bullet it's like i gotta get to know sports <laughs> i have to figure that shit out before i get out here um so but i think there's a lot of respect for it too you get a little hometown pride a little energy and things in there and even if you don't understand sports or don't enjoy it as much i think there's a lot that geeks can draw from it so yeah. that's my story for this week. Thank you, Kevin. There, there was, this is 
there, this is true. There was some like scientific study that um, where like researchers looked at things that made men cry, and uh, there were two sports movies were like the top two things. And I know one was yeah. Brian's song. I yeah. do not remember the other one. I think it's called The Fighter, or is that like a really recent one? It's something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it wasn't Rudy. <laughs> Can we just all say we cry at Rudy? And, and also, the, the other one I think is a 1986 Transformers movie because Optimus Prime dies. It's like Remember the Titans is really good. I just I don't get like what does that have to do with Clash of the Titans? I don't get it. All right, Nerdalogs member Steve Hurst, everybody. It's his birthday in two days. Alright, so uh, the theme for the month is sport, not sports. Uh, I don't think there's a particular reason for going with sport rather than sports, uh, but sport as a word is kind of in the, the cultural zeitgeist the past couple months because Mitt Romney, uh, when asked about sports, talked about how much he likes sport. <laughs> and. He loves NASCAR. A lot of his friends are NASCAR team owners. Uh, that's that's not. I wish that were a joke. That was his actual answer. He likes NASCAR because a lot of his friends own NASCAR teams. Um, so it it was pretty fitting with Mitt Romney that he talks about sport. Uh, I associate the concept of sport with sportsmanship. So sportsmanship uh, is kind of an emphasis of the rules and honor and uh, perhaps a higher calling above. Uh, the actual outcome of the contest. And you could kind of see that in the way Mitt Romney was handling the debates. He was really concerned about the rules. And perhaps overly so. He looked, he looked like a jerk trying to nitpick on, on all the rules. Um, but it makes sense that, that Romney cares so much about that. I associate that idea of sportsmanship and, and the honor associated with it with kind of a, a privileged class. If you think about the the rich people sports. Fencing. <laughs> there's, so, there's so much procedure and honor. There are other rich people sports. Sailing. Sailing is a rich person sport. NASCAR, if you own the team. Is a rich sport. There's, there's so much honor and procedure associated with, with those sports. Now, myself, my... Uh, uh, most formative sports experience was uh, on the wrestling team in high school. And I actually won the sportsmanship award for my nice. team uh, my sophomore year, which... Oh, thank you. See, see when, I, when I heard about it, I thought it was a euphemism for the best loser. Uh, the, the, the year I won it, I, I actually did have a winning record, so... May, but barely, barely. 17 and 16. Not very good, but... Uh, so, so in wrestling, there, there's also this concept of sportsmanship and, and honor. It's kind of fuzzy with these combat sports. Basically sports like boxing, wrestling, fencing. Sports that are essentially fighting. <laughs> fighting with rules. So the, the big idea is basically putting your opponent in as much pain and discomfort as possible. Within the rules. So that you win. Uh, and, and with wrestling, it's, it's kind of a gray area. Like, uh, for me, I thought... Uh, because I was so skinny that I could press my protruding hips into my opponent. 
Because you're supposed to do that in wrestling. You're supposed to put as much weight on your opponent as possible with your hips. And just because my hips protruded and jabbed into their back, and now if you were to take your thumb or a finger and stick it in their ribs, it, like that's that's kids fighting stuff. That's bad sportsmanship. But really, that's kind of an arbitrary rule. Um, you know, football is, is having similar issues right now with what's a legal defensive hit. Can you hit someone in the head? And it's really a gray area as to how hard can you hit someone on a football field and still be legal. And NFL defensive players are really upset about this right now. And we saw this playing out in an odd way with the replacement ref situation. For three weeks, the NFL union refs were locked out of the games. They wanted more pay, a couple other things. And for three weeks, there were replacement refs, and the games were terrible. Like, as soon as the replacement refs came in and the players saw that the rules weren't being fairly enforced, all the rules pretty much went out the window. And, and I thought that was, uh, that was really uh, illustrative of the way people react when rules start to slip away. Like, if we see a couple rules get ignored, we will start to ignore all rules. Just look at the way people act on Black Friday. There are rules. They're, they're, they're not written down rules, but we have scripts and rules in our heads about the way you behave at a store. <laughs> around people. But when it's Black Friday and one rule gets broken, all of a sudden we are a mob of wildebeests. It's, it's the Lion King and we will trample anything to get to whatever is on sale. Uh... Nerdlogs did a show this summer about the apocalypse uh, called The Skywalking Dead, and we talked a lot about what would it be like in the apocalypse, what weapons would you rely on in the apocalypse, what would you do when the rules start to slip away. And in the apocalypse, the rules probably go away really quickly, and we think, okay, I would want a shotgun. I think Joe Gennaro talked about how it was a shotgun and uh, a crowbar were his go-to things. Um... I think about I think about those those things sometimes. Does anyone think about what what they would do if the rules started to slip away? Mm-hmm. See, I, I ran into a situation where the rules slipped away from me about a uh, about a month ago. I was bicycling uh, late at night, like ten o'clock, to an improv show, and I got to a red light. I stopped. <laughs> I thought about going through the red light because bicyclists in Chicago we run red lights. We break those rules sometimes. <laughs> I decided not to because it looked like there were a couple of cars coming. Uh, and then all of a sudden I, I heard a really, loud, uh, a really loud horn directly behind me. Because someone wanted me to run the red light so they could turn right on red. So they're honking as loud as they can, just laying on the horn and yelling, Move! And I, I just look, turn around and I think, No! <laughs> I just yell, No! There's cross traffic coming at me. And I see this guy who's yelling at me. He looks to be 200 pounds. He looks like he works out. He is pissed. When I yell, no, he opens his car door. And I think, oh, the rules are going out the window. The rules are going out the window. And my mind goes to... What do I do when the rules go out the window? It's not the zombie apocalypse. I don't have a shotgun and a crowbar. But I do have, I do have what I think of when the rules go out the window, which is my UI. Uh, so, uh, 
I don't want to use this. But when a guy who appears to be much larger than me opens his car door because I didn't run a red light, because the rules are going out the window, I think, well, if the rules are going out the window, what can I do? What can I do? So I'm straddling my bike at the red light. He's six feet away from me. He's opened his car door. I don't want to try to pull out my U-lock to bash his head in. That would be terrible. I would probably miss. I'm going to get my ass kicked for not running a red light. So I try to appeal to rules one more time and yell, It's a red light! <laughs> there are rules! I don't say there are rules. I just, <laughs> I just yelled, It's a red light! At which point, the light turned green. I bike through. He angrily turns as fast as he can, yells faggot, <laughs> which I took as a compliment on the shirt that I was wearing. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't normally dress particularly nicely, but I was, I was wearing a nice shirt at the time. And afterwards I was thinking, what would I have actually done if that guy had gotten out of his car? I would not have been able to dismount my bike, <laughs> grab my U-lock, and get in a fight with this guy. So when the rules go out the window, everybody, good luck. <laughs> good luck. I just want you guys all to know, on the podcast, Steve is armed. It's kind of frightening. <laughs> put that away. Put that away. There are rules here. He's locked and loaded. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, and with that, Shelby Monk and everybody. <laughs> Funny how that worked out. That was the best intro I could have hoped for. Damn it. Okay. No, um, Shelby, not that chair. Um, so this story um, is a birthday present for someone so my dad is one of my best friends on the planet Um, we are very close and we talk a lot my dad is very talkative Um, nicest guy you'd ever meet five foot tall that's where my Japanese comes from Uh, and could talk to anyone. He's the kind of person that will strike up conversations with uh, people that are checking out um, with him in the uh, grocery store. He'll talk to anyone. He's one of my best friends. And so whenever we talk, which is normally for long periods of time, we tend to talk about three things. Always. No matter what else is happening. Roller coasters. (laughs) Seriously. We're obsessed. Um, We go on trips frequently to Cedar Point to different places and ride roller coasters and talk obsessively about the specs of the ones that are out and their designers and we get too excited about it. It always seems to come up. Less so now, but um, especially when I was younger. Two, video games. My dad is a huge nerd. He's more of a Diablo fan. I do a little bit more platforming, but we always are talking about what he's playing, what he's picked up, uh, chatting about things. And we played Team Fortress together, which is kind of fun. But the number one thing that always comes up when my dad and I talk is hockey. We are both tremendous hockey fans. We both play ice hockey, we help coach together, um, and we're big fans of the Washington Capitals. Uh, Die hard. We bleed red, which is natural but also true. Um, 
<laughs> Hockey is a really central thing to our relationship. Um, my dad coaches my old high school team, um, and I help coach when I go back home. And he took over that position when I was in high school, just as an assistant coach, just chasing pucks, hanging out, and now he is the main coach for their JV team. Um, he is he's not a very good hockey player. Um, but that's for good reason. And I think it's the most admirable thing, I've, one of the most admirable things I've learned from him. Um, when my dad was 30 years old, he decided that he wanted to play ice hockey. Now, for any of you who have ever kind of watched it, especially outside of the television, it's not just a sport you pick up. It's not just a fun, you know, you're not going to go play tennis on the week. It's not the same as playing, like, tennis on the weekend or something. Hockey is expensive, intimidating, and hard. You have to learn how to walk again, and then you have to learn how to run again, and then stop running so that you don't kill yourself. It's a lot of work. And my dad, in his ineffable cheeriness and his optimism and his happy outlook on life picked up a piece of uh, a bunch of skates got his gear showed up to an adult league and started playing um he's been playing since then now um just past 50 um and is rocking out and loving it and i remember when i was a kid it was always really funny because he played in the adult leagues which always met late and sometimes I would wake up in the morning and my father would be like, have accumulated injuries from the night before. I remember I'd wake up sometimes and he'd have like a black eye, which was confusing when I went to bed and he was fine. <laughs> the weirdest is when I woke up and he had broken, or shattered his ankle, really. He more shattered it. Uh, got it, got it stuck between the boards and the ice, her skate stuck between the boards and the ice and then turned, but his ankle didn't turn with him. Um, and then proceeded to drive himself to the hospital. <laughs> Because my father, while being the nicest person I know, is also the toughest person I know. And to be the kind of person who can pick up a brand new difficult sport as an adult and love it and then end up spending most of his time doing it, um, coaching girls and working with us, driving himself to the hospital, being tough enough to go through all these things, um, he is the perfect combination to me, as an example, of someone who is tough and who is strong, but someone who is also kind and can mix both those things and they don't interfere with each other. Um, and so whenever I think of sport, I always think of hockey because most of the time I'm thinking about hockey. <laughs> and whenever I think about hockey, I always think about my dad. Thank you, Thank you very much, Shelby. Um, I have a story that's a birthday present too, but Chris, it's a private story and I'll tell you later. <laughs> That was the best response. Thank you. That's it. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to touch your arm. <laughs> Damn it. I really wanted to get to third base tonight. <laughs> oh, thank you. I am smiling. I'm going to man on base. I'm going to start the song kind of cornily, but it's going to sound really cool on the podcast. Uh, so let's, let's, pretend, let's pretend for a second that it logs our sports team. Alright, I need you guys to yes and me on this one. So, we're gonna pretend that we're cheering for the Nerdalogs. So, we're gonna go, trust me, this is gonna sound cool. So, we're gonna go, Nerdalogs, 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 Nerdalogs. Body, you're a boy, make a big noise, playing in the street, gonna be a big man someday. I got mud on your face, big disgrace, kicking your can all over the place. Singing, we will, we will rock you. Sing it out. We will, we will rock you. 
gonna take on the world someday I got blood on your face, big disgrace Women, y'all better all over the place Sing it, we will, we will rock you You're an old man, poor man, pretty with your eyes Gonna make you some peace someday You got mud on your face, you big disgrace Somebody better put you back into your place We will, we will rock you Come on, sing it! We will, we will rock you We will, we will rock you One more time We I've paid my dues <laughs> Time after time I've done my sentence But committed no crime And bad mistakes I've made a few I've had my share of sand kicked in my face
stories you hear have been prepared and presented by the speakers on a volunteer basis. Your Stories is recorded and co-produced by Sean Patrick Boyle. Our theme song comes from the band State Shirts. For more information on the Nerdalogs, Your Stories, and more, go to www.nerdalogs.com.